Crime Doc Issues from Capes on the Couch, a show that examines the mental health issues of comic book characters, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Help us take a look at this little game series you may have heard of called Mortal Kombat. So, Mr. Pop Historian, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing lovely. It is a beautiful dark night. It finally went down from 100 degrees down to 70, and uh, I'm here and pumped and ready to talk about Mortal Kombat. We might be able to cut the grass in the next couple days, and that is way more exciting than it should be. Oh no, I'm not cutting the grass again. That's, that's not going to be happening. I get to take the dog for a walk. That's the most excitement I've been having over the past week and a half. Unfortunately, I have at least a couple more weeks where I'm going to have to do it, and then we might be deep enough into end of summer. Which means more time for video games, which means I will be playing some Mortal Kombat because it's just such a fun series. But I understand that you have taken over on your own YouTube channel a pretty deep dive into Mortal Kombat and its cultural significance. So anything you'd like to share with us from all of that? Yeah, so it was pretty interesting to go into the history of video games because, you know, I've always grown up as a bit of a nerd myself. Um, so, how you know, I really didn't get started on Mortal Kombat until you got DC versus the Mortal Kombat universe. And uh, it was just really fascinating to go into how influential Mortal Kombat was, not just on video games and the video game industry as a whole, but even how it bled into really the political realm of the United States. Um, two months after Mortal Kombat came out, the first game, uh, it was such a big hit and it was so influential that it actually went up to uh, Congress. Congress had a big old hearing where they said, video games become too violent. Um, this 8-bit violence is going to destroy our children and uh, it's terrible and we need to do something about it. So that's actually why we have ratings on video game systems in the United States these days. I didn't realize it had come that quickly. I knew that Mortal Kombat was there as one of the big reasons for the ratings happening, but having it come that quickly shouldn't be that big of a shock to me, but kind of is. There was an insane moral panic at the time about video games because this was the time when video games were making their way into the household. It wasn't just arcades, which were you know mainly populated by kids. Most adults didn't have two or three hours after work to go down and play a bunch of Mortal Kombat, but the kids did. And once they started seeing it 
in the households. Um, that's when a lot of massive, massive moral panic. And you had uh, Moral Combat was the first big game. The second one was something called Night Trap. Um, I haven't done too much research into that game. Um, it doesn't look very good. There's a pretty good documentary on Netflix about it. Um, I want to say it's called Short Fuse. Uh, correct me later if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> but uh, it was that, and then later on, Doom was the second big influential game that was, this is super violent. We need to do something about it. But Mortal Kombat definitely was that first propelling thing. The big thing was the fatalities and how gritty and unquote realistic it was, even though if you compare uh, the fatalities from, I think the most recent MK11 and the original, it's, it's a night and day difference. Yeah, Doom, I have to assume, is because you're going around shooting things. Oh, 100%. Night Trap, I'm pretty sure, was just people cherry-picking a scene or two that, out of context, looked really bad and said that that was typical for the whole game. That being said, the game's crap. So, it's not even worth having unless you just want expensive games. Yeah, I was able to look at some of the things that they were showing because they showed actual footage from the different games. Um, and the one from Night Trap, it was, it was not great. <laughs> I'll say that much. It is exactly as good as a full motion video game can be expected to be. And that is probably the nicest thing I can say about it. And I appreciate you jumping on the ball for that one. Uh, but yeah, Mortal Kombat was one of the most influential fighting games easily in the West, and the big reason why it was so big is because it was copying a lot of what Street Fighter was doing with uh, multiple players fighting each other at the same time, but did it in a much more quote-unquote gritty, realistic way. Street Fighter's kind of cartoony, um, and the amount of, uh, I guess, you know, violence and grittiness and photorealism was massively influential to that. What's interesting is that you see a complete difference in that sort of video style when it comes to Mortal Kombat than when it does to actually the uh, comic books, uh, which are obviously aimed at a much younger audience, um, which was the main drawing point. As I said, you know, adults aren't out here playing video games. Most of these uh, systems were in the arcades. And uh, it wasn't until, I guess, later on that we kind of see that change in video games from you know kids to adults with the release of like the Xbox and I think it's the PlayStation 2. Um, and that's kind of what I talk about a little bit as well uh, in my video. It's a lot more about the uh, cultural impacts, not just um, this is what happened with the law. Um, and I talk a little bit about Arnold Schwarzenegger as well, because he was a little bit influential and one of the reasons why video games are classified as art in the United States. So how did you get into Mortal Kombat yourself? So it was, I was about 2008, 2009, it was Mortal Kombat versus TC Universe. Um, and I was in middle school at the time. And this was this big event and it was hugely advertised. And uh, I had never really played Mortal Kombat because I just wasn't an arcade kid. We didn't really have a gaming system at the house. So this was the first big fighting game that I played. And then I gotta tell you, ever since then, I was absolutely hooked on it. Um, and any chance, any time that I've ever had a 
console in my life. I don't have one now, unfortunately, but that's always one of the first games I go to is the newest release of Mortal Kombat. Um, I, I think it's just a really, it's just a fun, uh, gory way to just kind of relieve some tension and just have a good time, um, even if it's with a friend. Yeah, I was more of a Street Fighter kid growing up, mostly because that's what my friends had. And so that's what I was more familiar with. But if they had had Mortal Kombat, that's where I would have drifted off to. You know, it's crazy. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, I've never been able to get into any sort of Japanese video game. Um, I didn't play Nintendo, anything on the Nintendo until I was like 2021. 20, I don't know why that was, but I still, like even Pokemon, I was never able to get into that initial craze, even though I was in that right age bracket. Um, and I think it's it might just be that, yeah, sort of what you're around really influences a lot more of what you play. One of the things that really fascinates me with Mortal Kombat is the changes that they had to make from the arcade release to get it onto the home ports. And obviously, you've got to scale down characters sometimes. You've got to scale down graphics. But having what many people to be considered essentially different games on the Super Nintendo and the Genesis because of the inclusion or exclusion of blood, I think it's such a small thing, but it is such a big difference maker in what version of the game people want to buy and which console they end up buying because they want to make sure that they can get either the bloody game or maybe they're a parent and they want to make sure that they can't get the bloody game. So yeah, that's actually perfect that you mentioned that. Um, the blood in the game was one of the biggest drawing factors. I mean, this was supposed to be, like I said, a gritty, ultra-realistic, ultra-violent piece. Um, one of the big drawing points were those fatalities, those unknown, super special ending moves that you could do. Um, and within the, I believe it was, it was the Sega Genesis that was the clean version. You can correct me if I'm wrong about that. Um, yeah, you're backwards. That, I'm backwards? Okay. Um, yeah. So with the Sega Genesis, it was the same as the arcade version for many of them. But with the other one, um, it was the Nintendo they uh, completely remove any sort of blood. The fatalities are just you punching the guy and holding your fist in the air. Um, and what's really interesting is that within the congressional hearing, they use the footage from that uh, Sega Genesis version, the full blood version. And that was really the understanding is this is what they're bringing into your home. This is what they're bringing in. These ultra violent um, methods of they equated it to murder and that was a lot of the uh, the driving force behind it as well um, especially if you were a parent and you had never really had an understanding of what video games were you know you really see that these are for children that's the idea at the time walking in and seeing you know your nine-year-old kid um, you know punching and killing a guy in a violent manner especially if you're in your life the uh, the pit stage surrounded by, you know, the heads and the body parts on spikes, um, that can be, I would imagine, something pretty shocking. Um, and has definitely led to a lot of the backlash that we've gotten over the years when it comes to video games and violence um, that I think still goes on to this day. Although I'd say in this day and age, it's a lot more realistic. 
Now, the only reason Kaylee will play with me now at all is because I'm just not good enough to pull off hardly any of the fatalities, so she knows I'm not going to do it, and she doesn't have to see it. Oh. I was a button masher. I still am a button masher. That's what I keep doing, and, and it, it wins me about half the fights. Somehow I've been able to wrap my brain around some Street Fighter combos. I can pull off some basic combo things in Mortal Kombat every once in a while, but fatalities are just never going to happen. And I mean, she'll pretty much only play Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe with me because she likes being able to play the <laughs> DC characters. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's that's the big draw of it. Um, that, and I think that directly led to Injustice as well. There was a fair amount of uh, additional, um, for example, comic books that came out really during Injustice is actually what got me uh, first looking at your show because I thought that that was going to be a, something that you would have kind of covered. And I didn't even realize that there was so much kind of done in regards to... Uh, the original Mortal Kombat games, in regards to publicity, um, this was a this was an absolute massive deal. Like on the par with uh, some of the biggest uh, DC and Marvel comic books at the time. Um, you had all sorts of press and radio. Um, I mean, they even made two movies out of it. This is a this is a huge deal, and I, I think that it's really fascinating that you kind of get that from uh, a video game in a way that you had never really seen before. And I really question if you've ever seen it so ubiquitous since. You might have like, a, you know, you have an Assassin's Creed movie, but it wasn't very good. And it didn't have, I guess, the uh, the cultural ripples that Mortal Kombat has had and, uh, you know, still has um, in the same way that DC or Marvel does. It's Street Fighter. I think feel like that game is a lot more recognizable in just the general cultural zeitgeist here because you don't have as many parents saying no I don't even want you to look at that but it's all based on the game for that like you've got a few memes from that first Street Fighter movie in the 90s and that is it yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%, even though you do have, I don't I don't think you have any memes from a Mortal Kombat film, it's all from that Street Fighter. And I don't know if it was just because that Street Fighter movie wasn't as good, or if it had just stayed within the cultural zeitgeist in a way that the Mortal Kombat movies happened. It doesn't help that Raul Julia just completely owned that movie while dealing with his health problems. Oh, that was beautiful. I think about that at least once a week. So for anybody who doesn't know, fighting games don't tend to really have a story. Mortal Kombat is definitely on the better end of having a story for a fighting game. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's kind of funny because anything else, there's at best a rough storyline it's like oh these two characters are best friends or they're rivals or this is you know father and daughter or whatever mortal kombat really really goes out of its way to include a lot of story details um that you don't you wouldn't imagine seeing um that really i guess shouldn't be there and i think that's one of the big reasons why it was so popular as well um, is because it did create these in-depth sort of um, ideas and 
I'm just going to say it, stories, even though we've kind of been saying it back and forth, um, that don't exist anywhere else. And I, I really think that um, at their base level, stories are always important to a video game, even though they might not be as important between different genres, like a fighting game. Understanding those kind of different characters and how they interact more than just like this is the big cool badass one with uh you know ice breath or he's from hell or he's got four arms or whatever it's understanding how they interact with each other and understanding the i guess that's sort of the, the context that they're going through that that mortal combat in a bigger level really gets people engaged at a level that you don't see i think with other games as well which is i think one of the reasons why it's so uh, still so big in the cultural zeitgeist just knowing that, yes, there's this giant tournament to save the universe. There are other fighting games that have that basic premise. There are certainly other fighting games that have a much stupider premise. But somehow with <laughs> Mortal Kombat, it just seems to work. And I think one of the big reasons that it works so well is because of all the other stuff they were doing on the side. Um, with these comics, with the movies, um, really getting people ramped up for, for Mortal Monday was the big release date back in 92. I think it was like September 17th, September 19th. Um, it was really the sense of this sort of larger than life, massive release of, of, it wasn't just a video game, it was an event. It was something bigger and bolder than had ever really been done before. Um, and you could be a part of it and you could follow along and you can kind of decide the winner based on who you play. Well, with that in mind, we're going to go try to loosen up our thumbs a little bit while I drop some promos for a few other shows. Perfect. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Hey all, I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, to video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Those are some great shows to check out, but first let's finish up with this one. So, we've got to take a look at these comics because these things are crazy. Oh, these are absolutely insane. I haven't been much of a comic guy um, since I was, until, when I was a little bit younger I was, I had a, a bunch of comics that were uh, my uncle's old collection back from the 80s and the 90s. Um, but really, I haven't picked up one in close to 10 years at this point. And going through these, it was um, pretty interesting realizing just how detailed they were in some places and then just how, I guess, off the wall they would be without the context of the game. What we're specifically looking at here are like the 94, 95, around that era comics that are tied into the first few Mortal Kombat games. Like they certainly have ones for later games, but for right now, we just don't care about those. 
Yeah, and really that was the big point in time. Those first four games were really when there's a massive push culturally, both like I had mentioned with the, the congressional movement towards uh, video game legislation and towards within the general consciousness of, uh, I guess, Mortal Kombat as a whole. Um, there weren't too many big competitors out there either. And then with the early 2000s, you see that sort of change. Um, the crazy thing is that these were sold on shelves like that you would go to an actual store and buy um, rather than just being uh, for, the, for the most part and rather just coming with the game. Um, the first one goes over in a little bit more detail how all those characters kind of got in the boat and uh, ended up going to this island for the tournament. Um, couple interesting things that I'd like to, to point out is that we see exploding red barrels, which we don't see in the game. Um, and then the only time I can ever think of exploding red barrels is in Doom being the earliest example. And then um, they mentioned Kano as orphaned by an American woman in Tokyo, uh, which was later retconned uh, into him being Australian because he was so good in the movie. These comics just give you so much of a character background that, yeah, you might have gotten a little bit of that in the game, but there's no way that you can get this depth. And even looking at this first one that they put out, where it's two or three pages for a character, all of a sudden you have Goro could have had a chance to be with the good guys. But he said, no, I don't like you. Go away. You stink. Yeah, they, they have these amazing character arcs. And they have, um, what was interesting is you had the Mortal Kombat 1, then you had the Mortal Kombat 2 um, specific pieces that I think were either you had to either mail order them or they were a special version of the game. And then you had a run um, with, I want to say it was a Malibu comics, which I'm not familiar with. Um, but it looks like they did have some pretty uh, high-priority uh, people on there. Um, that ran for about 25 to 26, and they did have character-specific comics that kind of cover how these were kind of good guys, kind of not good guys. Um, and the big idea behind it was it all is up to you and kind of your understanding and how you play the game. Um, and that's really going to determine who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. So that way you can... Um, well, following this big overarching story can kind of follow a lot of the side characters and those who are obviously not good or bad um, and kind of place them on whatever uh, side area that you like. The Malibu comics for at least at the time that we're recording this had already put out comics for Dinosaurs for Hire, X-Mutants, Men in Black and Ultraverse Prime. So this wasn't a weird thing for them to be having comics and video games together. Now, all those other things, the comics came first. So you didn't have to worry about tying into a game and keeping that lore good and accurate. But working in this direction, you are taking the game, which usually doesn't have as much of a backstory, and getting to expand on it, as opposed to 
taking a comic and having to condense it into something that'll fit into your game. And I think that's probably one of the greatest advantages that they have had in regards to their story is that with these comics and with the uh, the movie, because you have to expand it out um, again and again and again. I mean, a movie's two hours long. I didn't watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation. It wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> but the, the first one still holds up, maybe not so much in the visual effects department, um, but in, in kind of the storyline of it is that it takes this very simple thing and then expands it out very effectively and really is able to um, give these characters a backstory um, where if you were just going in the game, you know, Sub-Zero and Scorpion are the same character with different colors, the same character's reptile, the same character's ghost. Um, and they were able to actually put these different characters in the uh, the comics. There was one, for example, where Sub-Zero um, dies and then it's his younger brother is Sub-Zero and he's flying this like super secret ninja jet with like eight other ninjas with different colors. And it was it was an example of, uh, or they're, they're trying to make you, I don't want to say an excuse, but a reasoning as to why you have all these different characters with uh, just different color schemes rather than anything else. And I think that's kind of the beauty of this whole thing, because you have such simple archetypes. And growing up, none of us cared that all of these ninjas were just basically a palette swap of each other because they all had their distinct movesets. And to us, that was really all you needed. You could have had everybody looking like Big Bird for all we cared if they played differently. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I think that one of the reasons that Mortal Kombat was so successful is the technology for the time was limited enough that they had to kind of get creative. Um, they could pump out as many different quote unquote characters as they wanted. They could come up with secret characters. They could do all these different things where they have all these different um, actions with just that simple palette swap. And because of the technology at the time and because of the, I guess, kind of people they were going after, this was a game that are designed and targeted towards um, a younger audience that everybody was super into. Everybody, it was super cool. Um, that I think in a way today, if I mean, 100% if you were to release a fighting game at this level, uh, even if you, <laughs> you were to have a, uh, a comic book tie-in with all these different things, I think that it would fail and kind of be made fun of in a way that uh, Mortal Kombat never was. I think a lot of the goodness there is that you had your, what was it, like three people working on the original arcade game? just doing it because they loved it yeah, yeah it was ed boon john tobias and i don't even think if i can name a third guy um they were working for a company at the time i think midway comics mortal kombat was their first game but they were working for a larger umbrella corporation at the time who were hoping to rival street fighter um and the, originally the idea was well we're just going to make a street fighter clone but the two guys working on it john tobias um, and Ed Boom said, there's no way that we're going to be doing this. There's, we, we cannot just recreate Street Fighter. We need to make this our own thing. We need to make this unique. Um, and what's really interesting is that the first comic um, was completely 
inked, penciled, colored. Uh, everything was done by Tobias, um, specifically to get that kind of out and create a backstory that they weren't able to flesh out fully in the game. Even looking at the Street Fighter comics, it is so different from what you're getting here in the Mortal Kombat comics. Street Fighter kind of ranges from kind of serious stuff to completely silly stuff, and this Mortal Kombat, I mean, it knows exactly what it is. It can't be stupid fun and leans into it. Oh, absolutely. And one of my favorite things is uh, when they remake the first Mortal Kombat comic book, they do it, they keep like all the same lines, but they just make the characters look so much cooler. That's the version of it that I was able to find was that redone one. I mean, it's definitely a 90s comic. There's no question about that. It, it really reads like that. And you can also kind of see what I think is really cool is you can see the difference in, um, at least from what I, I'm looking at, I can see the difference in quality between the original 92 uh, collector's edition and that um, 94, 95 version. And I'm not sure if that was just, just because they were using a bigger team at the time and were Malibu. Um, I, I'd expect that was, but it's also definitely because there was a, I think probably a bigger um, audience. So they really wanted to push for quality over just coming out with something else that's uh, looks acceptable. Yeah, when this was coming out, at least to what I can remember right now, I don't think you had many comics that were based on games. I know pretty close to this, Sonic started having some comics. Um, I know Nintendo put out some comics, but those were kind of short-lived things all over the place anyway. I mean, Sonic's was a big deal and had a big push on the continuity there. But for the most part, what I can think of, if there was a game and a comic and both of them existed, it was the comic coming first. So Mortal Kombat being able to do this for as long as they did, that's a big deal. Oh yeah, and like I just said, it was the absolute cultural, um, they had a cultural stranglehold really at the time on the idea of video game industries and martial arts. Um, you know, this was a game series that was based off of Bruce Lee movies and Van Damme and Bloodsport. If you look at Johnny Cage, his signature move was uh, dropping to a split and punching a guy in the balls, and that's what happened in Bloodsport. Um, and it was uh, really able to do that very successfully for almost for about a five-year period. Um, I mean, and I think to that or at night, uh, excuse me. I think about 95 to 97 was really the, the absolute height of that, um, where there were no other major American competitors within this. I mean, there were attempts that I'm sure you can look up, um, but there was no other understanding of fighting games, especially a martial arts style game, uh, being anywhere towards an American audience. And that's why I think that they were able to move these comics to shelves and away from uh, just 
sending them along with the games. Now, granted, I don't think that these sold um, exceptionally well compared to other comic books, and that's simply because they stopped doing that after this and just released a single comic book for uh, Mortal Kombat 4. As far as copycat games go, that that's something for a, a future project that I've been thinking about. So kind of file that away in your heads and expect to see something about that from me later. I'll slap a post-it note somewhere important. Yeah, hold me to it, because I have told a few people <laughs> that I'm going to do this, and they they are fully supportive. You also kind of have the problem of they were published by Malibu, which I hate to say that that's a problem, because most of the comics I'm buying now are from people who aren't Marvel or DC, and I just think that there are plenty of good comics that aren't coming out of those two main publishers. But they are the two main publishers for a reason. So you have a Malibu book. They just don't sell as much because people don't know about them. And yeah, you're going to get your stuff like Mortal Kombat that people are going to want to go into the comic stores and buy. And you've got that even now with... I want to say it was a Street Fighter series that somebody grabbed the last copy of in front of me and I couldn't get it and then I just didn't they weren't able to order me anymore yeah um what you are seeing I think is that definitely Malibu comics was in no small way one of the big detractors from it um given the fact that this is not really a pre-existing comic book I mean anytime you're starting something up like that is going to be a hundred times harder than if this was an X-Men fighting game and they released more X-Men comics. Um, a whole, you know, trying to bring this whole new sense of uh, story that has to be blown up from uh, you know, a couple of guys punching each other. I think that you can A, only do so much to try to gather a following, um, even with the movies there. Um, and then the fact that you didn't have a major comic company sign on made it so, so much more difficult, I think, to probably not only get recognition, but to get in the stores as well. Because if you have an exclusivity deal with um, one or two of the largest publishers, and if you're, say, a, a small comic book shop, then there's no possible way that you can get one of these third-party comics, especially, you know, if they're uh, only having a limited run. But these comics are just so much fun. Like, if I found them at the shop, yeah, I'd probably find them all in the dollar bin. And I probably should have looked while I was there earlier today, but I didn't. And just because they know what I usually buy, they probably laugh at me for even looking. What do these comics really get right looking at the Mortal Kombat game lore? Um, definitely that there are not only good guys and bad guys, but a lot of guys that can be good or bad, depending upon the situation. And really the fact that allegiances change constantly, that um, even though you're the scariest looking guys, they might be the nicest. Um, and that there's really one or two good guys that are ultimately good and one or two bad guys that are ultimately good. Uh, Excuse me, one or two bad guys that are ultimately bad and one or two good guys that are ultimately good. 
Yeah, just the depth of the story and the backstory and what all is going on, I think, is the big thing for me. And you really can get a sense of who these characters are without feeling later like it was a complete waste of time, either because stuff was wrong or because it's a bunch of things you don't care about. Absolutely, and I think that's probably one of the benefits of uh, doing the video game first is that they don't need to focus on the story. Um, and the story can be really expanded within the comics and then applied over to the video game. Um, I can't speak to how that might be now, but definitely that was their major advantage with this. Characters become really fleshed out in a way that two or three lines of dialogue in a video game um, is just text on a screen can't do. We really see what's important to them um, in really what their motivations are in a, in a deeper level. What do you think these comics get wrong looking at the game lore? Uh, so one of the big things is that they do say that Sonya Blade's hair is brown, but they give it blonde every single time. Um, other than that, it really seemed to just continuously sort of, uh, I want to say retcon things, but things are constantly changing. Now, I wouldn't say that that's getting it too wrong with the Mortal Kombat games, because it seems every game or two, everything's changed, or there's a completely new set and cast of characters. It's almost like watching a, a G.I. Joe or a Transformers cartoon where they just start throwing in random people and seeing what sticks. Um, but I definitely would say that there's a lot of things that they show in there that unless you've been like probably a little more intimate with the Mortal Kombat games, you have no clue who these people are, where they came from, or why they're here. Those changes were the big thing that I noticed. Like obviously comics, things change around a lot because you have different writers and 60, 70, 80 years of storylines sometimes to try to keep up with, and there's no way you can keep everything the same. Otherwise, you don't get growth at all. But these kind of switch things up rather quick, and it's not always because just a different person or a different character in the story is telling the story or anything. It's just categorically different. And I don't think they really had a long enough run to be able to pull that off. They didn't have a long enough run to pull that off. And it really, I think because of that jumping around, if you're trying to follow any sort of a deeper story, it's just, it's just not possible whatsoever. All of that being said, would you hand somebody these comics as a bit of a primer course for getting into Mortal Kombat? I would definitely hand them the first comic. Um, because it breaks it down in such a simple, easy to understand, and kind of fun way. This is what's happening. There's a fight happening on an island for the fate of the universe, uh, and these are the most important people. Uh, if they had a comic that released every single game, um, I know they had one in the second as well, um, and then another for the fourth, I'd hand them each one of those and be like, this is the new and updated information that you need to, you need to find out about, rather than it just being like an information sheet with uh, the different characters' information or uh, you know their special moves or whatnot, because this really gets you into a, a bit of a deeper understanding than um, just based upon what, what the characters' moves are, 
and uh, I'd say it's a lot more fun than spending uh, you know five to six hours on a story mode that you're probably not going to complete. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same way on this one. Um, I would definitely start them at the beginning and then tell them to go ahead and stop reading when they feel like it's just too stupid and they don't care anymore. 100%. But now for the totally unrelated question that I know you've been dreading this entire time. You know, I haven't thought about it once until you mentioned it. Who's your favorite Muppet? Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. He's gotta be a Swedish chef. I got that one in my back pocket. He's gotta be a Swedish chef. He's just so fun and lovable to watch, and he's just so goofy. Um, I watched in the past his uh, YouTube shorts, because the Muppets have a YouTube channel with hundreds of millions of views, and they do web exclusives, and the Swedish chef has like four or five, and they kill me every single time. Ah, oh my god. It's the Swedish chef. Swedish chef, or beaker because I like the meep 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 sound he makes. This is why we would be friends now if we lived anywhere near each other. Swedish chef, I mean, it's hands down. I don't know why. I mean, other characters I can understand, but the Swedish chef is just too iconic. He's too memorable. He brings too much to the table. I mean, I absolutely love Kermit the Frog. I mean, Rainbow Connection, that's my jam. Um, let me tell you, I love, uh, was was the two, the two that sit up there and make fun of everything. I mean, that's just great fun, all right? But the Swedish chef just brings something unique to the table that I don't see in another, he's almost like a goofy Mr. Bean character, um, but taken to a new extremity because he's a, a puppet, a Muppet. I don't think there's anywhere we can logically go from there beyond just knowing that it has been great talking to you about all of this. And if people want to hear more from you, where else can they find you around the internet? Absolutely. It's been great talking to you too. So you can find me on YouTube at the pop historian. I'm the one with popcorn. If you see red dead redemption gameplay, you're at the wrong one. Um, I'm currently working on a uh, short series it's a little bit more professionally done about the history of writing. Um, in this first part, I kind of go over, you know, clay and stone tablets and that sort of stuff. And uh, in my next one that hopefully will be coming out in uh, the next two to three weeks, we'll be discussing Chris, um, you know, the ancient Egyptians used and that sort of stuff. Talk about uh, all that kind of cool stuff. Um, but yeah, you can find me on the Pop Historian. I have a good piece about Mortal Kombat as well. Um, and then I love having suggestions for anything new to try. Definitely have links to all of that stuff down in the show notes because clicking links is so much easier than trying to remember how to spell things and also easier to find the right thing because then if you find the wrong thing, it's my fault. Yeah, I'll tell you, the, the worst the worst part is that I came up with the name. It's a super cool name. And then after about six months in, I realized that another guy had the name about four years before me. And he only posts um, gameplay from Red Dead Redemption. And I was so disappointed with that because I thought it was so inventive. I'm still shocked that nobody had play comics. How does that not happen? I mean, that's just like two perfect words that go together great when it comes to this sort of stuff. 
it's like the universe was just saving it for me, I guess. You know, I have those moments every now and then, too. And as always, if you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to playcomics.com where you can find links to all the social media stuff. I am still desperately clinging on to being mostly on Twitter, mostly because I am afraid of change and am just a giant little baby. My wife will agree with you if I'm sick. And that's all I'm going to say about that. If you want to help support the show, you could be like the wonderful patrons I have in Ono Lit Class, Dan McMahon and Carl Antonovitz and give the show money because you know it, it does kind of cost a little bit of money to run a podcast or you can just share the show with your friends and make sure that more people get to hear it because that's always cool too you know call podcaster we like seeing the list of numbers go up we like seeing that people are enjoying what we're doing because inside we're all just a little bit narcissistic and needy otherwise we wouldn't be making the show Speaking of other wonderful shows, you can head over to the Get and Geek Network, where you can listen to shows such as Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., where I get to talk about cool Marvel things, which I get to do a lot of on here, too. But that one is only Marvel, and this one is only sometimes Marvel. And I also get other people to talk about it with, and I don't have to edit. One of those things is the most important. If you've heard me before, you know which one it is. If you like the music that I'm rudely talking on top of, head on over to soundcloud.com slash best-day to check out Best Day's music. But most of all, just grab a game, grab a stack of comics, and go find yourself a new favorite character.